0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We're going to start with with Adam. And
1: uh, we'll do this on Sunday nights now for several weeks. And in the second chapter of Genesis, I want to go for the text, but I'll be making reference to quite a number of passages throughout the the book of Genesis as we do this, and even some New Testament references. But in Genesis chapter 2, at verse 7, we have the text, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now we're well aware that God created the earth in six days. And on the seventh day he spent that resting. And it was on the, on the sixth day that he made man. There's lots of debate as to whether he made one single individual or a whole lot, or even whether he made them at all a evolutionists would say that man evolved from lower species and sometimes as I look at some people I believe that maybe there were some people that did evolve from the monkey but I didn't uh, if you think you did you just go on with your monkey business and uh, but I'm not going to follow that line because I don't think that's what the scripture says at all and we have that for our, our record and God gave Moses the story To write as to the creation and some of the early portions before there was ever anybody to write anything. Moses was the first one that we have who who recorded any of this. But it's on this seventh or the sixth day that I want us to, to focus our attention in the creation of Adam. Now, if you will notice in the Second chapter, verses 26 and 27 and 8. Well, that can't be. It's the first chapter, verses 26, 7, and 8, because there are no 26, 7, and 8 in the second chapter. First chapter, 26. I want you to notice what God said about the creation. And God said, let us, referring to somebody that he was talking to, and we believe that that was his own son and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So, man is made in the image of God and the likeness of God. Then he says, let them being a plural word referring to man in general, let man have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every living creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. The purpose of man was to be in control of the word. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. When he created him in the garden. Now. He was charged to have dominion. He lost that dominion when he sinned. We only have Adam at this point. Now before we can see Eve's creation. We've got to go to the second chapter. And verses 20 through 23. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. In other words, there were female animals, but there was not a woman to be his partner at all, simply Adam by himself. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he, that is Adam, or I mean God, took one of his ribs, Adam's ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. created woman did Adam bring her into being we see that God did that's exactly right God is the creator of both man and woman he took her out of that is he took a rib and he used it as the framework to fashion a woman And that rib came out of Adam, but it is God who performed the miracle of bringing into being both a man simply out of the dust of the earth and a woman that came out of the flesh of man. This is not to say that man is superior to woman at all. And there are men who lord it over woman in feeling that they are superior and ought to have control over woman. And that is not here in the scripture at all. We cannot use Genesis along that line. Man and woman are equal in that God is the creator of both and has placed man and woman on the earth to coexist. And he said to them that they were to be the masters of the earth, not just to Adam only, but to both of them. Now, I could go on and talk about the reason for the marriage of Adam and Eve and that children must eventually leave home and get out on their own, but we're going to leave that alone. The problem is that this creation doesn't stay perfect like God created it. He made a perfect man and gave him uh, the position in the garden. He made a perfect woman and put her there to help him. And they live well together. They both have no clothes on, and it doesn't cause any problem at all. They're not ashamed. And then we have Satan coming into the picture uh, in the form of the serpent, and you know that story, and so we'll not repeat it to, to any degree. The serpent, however, came to Eve and enticed her and eventually deceived her into eating of the fruit. Eve was deceived in eating, and if any man wants to think that he is superior to woman, he can stop his superiority right here. Eve was deceived, but Adam did it of his own choice. He was not deceived. He took what his wife offered, and in full knowledge of it being disobedient to God, he ate of the fruit. As soon as they ate of that fruit, they suddenly discovered that they didn't have any clothes on. And they were ashamed of this fact, and they sewed themselves fig leaves and made themselves aprons in order to hide their nakedness. You know that a young child, as he grows up, is not ashamed of his nakedness as a baby. He'll run around the house stark naked and doesn't care a bit. But the older he gets, the older that child gets, the more conscious he becomes of his body until he finally wants to start hiding in himself. And then he won't come out He'll peek out from behind the curtain or something if you've got company but won't show himself. And finally he realizes that he must wear clothes. There is a nature inside of every person to know when he has done wrong. I have said this before and I believe it sincerely that we don't have to do as much teaching of right and wrong as we think we have to do. Because Boys and girls and men and women by their own intelligence know when they have done wrong. Now that doesn't say we ought not teach it. Certainly we ought. And every parent ought to teach their children what right and wrong is and what is acceptable activity and not acceptable activity. And it doesn't take very long when you're around a group of people to discover that multitudes of people have grown up without proper instruction as to how they ought to act. We see it in kids in school, we see it in kids in Sunday school and in Bible school, but we also see it in adults. And it is amazing to me to see people who know better and won't do better just in the social graces of life. It is amazing to me to see people walking down the street and the the woman or the girl is on the outside. I don't understand that. I grew up understanding that it was my responsibility to be the protector and be in between the girl and the sidewalk where the splash is gonna come from the car. It's amazing to me to see that a boy or a man will go in a door before a woman. Those are social graces that I was taught. Or that a man would actually sit in a house or in a building with a hat on. That is a pet peeve of mine that really bothers me to see a man come inside a house and not take off his hat. One of my daughters dated a guy that never knew that he was to take his hat off and he would come to the table at our table with his hat on until I removed it. He finally got the point. There are some things that we ought to instinctively know, and if we don't know them, we need to be taught them. And so it is uh, that we go through all these things. But Adam and Eve were fully aware that they had done wrong in God's sight. They knew that. They didn't have to be taught it. God held who responsible for the sin? All three—Adam, Eve, and the snake—each had their part to play in the sin, and each paid the price. The snake had to crawl on his belly the rest of creation. He had legs back in in the early parts of the creation. The woman was responsible for her sin and now must bear children in pain. The man is responsible for his sin and now must till the ground the rest of his life. to out a living. All were responsible. All paid the penalty for a violation of God's law. All men are still responsible. And Adam teaches us that nobody escapes the laws of God. He said, in the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. And indeed they did. Indeed they did. But God is merciful. And here they stand with little old fig leaf aprons in the presence of God, and they're ashamed of themselves. And you know what God does? Boys, do not talk. Period. Now, these two people were ashamed of themselves and hid in the brush. And would not come out into the presence of God because they knew they had sinned. And what did God do but slay an animal and make for themselves covering so that their sin could be covered? This is the beginning of the redemption process. When God redeemed his own first two creation from the penalty of their own sin. He covered their sin with a blood sacrifice. If it was necessary for Adam and Eve to have their sins covered, it's equally necessary for us to have our sins covered the same way. There has been no change in God's law. No change at all. There has been the need for a blood sacrifice. And we know that it came through Jesus Christ. Now, the question then always comes, why must I pay because Adam sinned? Well, you know it's very unfortunate, but kids pay for their parents' wrongs. We know that's true in life. All of us are faced with either having the responsibility of paying for what our parents did, or we are passing on to our children, and they're going to pay for what we do. Who's paying the national debt, for example? We are passing the obligations of this society in which we live and the demands that we make on the national budget onto our great, 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 great Grandchildren, somewhere down the line, are going to pay for our extravagance today. They're going to pay for it. There is many a child that is paying for the extravagance of their parents. Many a child has been brought into the world and is deformed or in some way is less than he ought to be simply because he had a mother or dad who ignored and flaunted the principles of good health. If you would ever read some of the Apocrypha books, 2 Esdras, chapter 7, verse 48, the books that were written between the Old and the New Testament, there's this statement made in, in, in that particular location. He says, Oh, Adam, what have you done? For though it were you who sinned, the fall was not yours alone, but ours also, who are your descendants. Yes, we are paying the penalty for Adam's sin. And man today will die because of what Adam did. But God is merciful and made a way out. For he knew that it was impossible for us to remain perfect because we were born imperfect in that our parents passed on to us their sinful nature. And so we're sinners just by nature. Now let's make some comparisons of Adam and Christ. In Adam... God made Adam in the image of God. He looked like God. He had the capability of acting like God. Christ is also made in the image of God. That is, Adam and Christ both reflected God. Both were perfect. Neither had sinned, and then Adam chose to sin and lost his state of perfection. He chose to sin. Christ could have sinned and chose to remain perfect. So both of them are in the picture. Both were tempted. Adam had the choice, being called the Son of God, as Luke calls him in the genealogies of Christ, Adam had the choice of refusing to eat of the fruit. Jesus was likewise tempted in the Garden of Eden, or not in Eden, sorry, in in Gethsemane, or wherever he went into the wilderness, for those 40 days. He likewise, being the Son of God, was given the choice to sin or not to sin. He was tempted, and he elected to stay perfect. Both were perfect, both were tempted, both were called the sons of God. One chose to sin, one chose to remain perfect. Adam brought death, Christ brought life. In Romans chapter 5, Verses 18 and 19. A very important statement. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment, I'm sorry, let me read it over. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, a free gift came upon all men on the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, and by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. One caused us to be sinners, one caused us to be saints. First Corinthians chapter 15 I want to read to you out of the living Bible because of the uh, difficulty in reading it in the King James let me read to you what Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 15 beginning at verse 45 the scripture tells us that the first man, Adam was given a natural human body But Christ is more than that, for he was life-giving spirit. First then, we have these human bodies, and later on God gives us spiritual, heavenly bodies. Adam was made from the dust of the earth, but Christ came from heaven above. Every man being, every human being has a body just like Adam's, made of dust. But all who become Christ will have the same kind of body as his a body from heaven. Just as each of us now has a body like Adam's, so we shall someday have a body like Christ's. I tell you this, my brethren, an earthly body made of flesh and blood cannot get into God's kingdom. These perishable bodies of ours are not the right kind to live forever. But I am telling you this strange and wonderful secret. We shall not all die, but we shall all be given new bodies. It will all happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For there will be a trumpet blast from the sky, and all the Christians who have died will suddenly become alive with new bodies that will never, never die. And then we who are still alive shall suddenly have new bodies too. For our earthly bodies, the ones we have now that can die, must be transformed into heavenly bodies that cannot perish but will live forever. I think that's beautiful out of the Living Bible. Adam gave us the fleshly body. Jesus Christ gives us a heavenly body. Genesis 3, 24 and Revelation chapter 2, verse 7 are two verses I want to close with. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24 says this, so he drove out the man and he placed him at the, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming, flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Well, I'm not reading the right verse. Well, maybe I am. All right, let's let's do it again. He drove out man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Yes, I am. Now, the phrase I want you to notice is to keep the way of the tree of life. God drove out Adam from the garden to protect the tree of life. Get this point. He refused to let Adam and Eve eat from the tree of life. Refused. He drove them out. Denied them access to the tree of life. When he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said to them, Of all the trees in the garden you may eat, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He did not deny them access to the tree of life. It was available to them. He only denied them access to the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now that they have partaken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he has driven them out in order that they cannot eat of the tree of life. Now, Going over to the book of Revelation, chapter two and verse seven, we have an interesting comparison. This is spoken to the church at Ephesus. Listen to what he says. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What Adam took away, Jesus gives back. Adam sinned and denied us access to the tree of life. Jesus came, and those of us who are his followers, we shall eat of the tree of life and have it eternally. Adam created a terrible situation for us. Because of what he did, we're all sinners. But God loved us enough and had mercy upon us. He wouldn't let it stay there. He made it possible for us to eat from that tree again. And it came through Christ. The second Adam he's called. The first Adam brought death. The second Adam brought eternal life. Let's pray.